0: Welcome to the RSPCast, I'm Matt Walden with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Today, I had a nice pre-draft conversation with Chad Ryder, the NFL.com analyst. I've known Chad for several years. He's someone that I've become friends with that I just, you know, I really admire the work that he does. Um, He's probably one of the people in this industry that I just think is one of the really good guys. And he and I, I think, probably are a little bit 2021 drafted out to the extent that while we talked a little bit about football we also mixed in a lot of other things too and so I just kind of recorded in the middle of the conversation you'll hear a little bit of 2021 draft talk you'll hear a little bit of 2022 um, thoughts about players for that class and just other things about football in terms of the NFL quarterback development um, building teams things like that so hope you enjoy and of course, you know with the draft coming up, while we're a little bit drafted out in terms of talking about some of these prospects in terms of where they may go, um, we still had a lot of fun. We think you'll enjoy listening to the conversation as well. I what? mean, you know,
1: can you hear? Can you hear what I'm playing? Can you hear it? Yeah,
0: yeah, Blue Train Playing Moments ah, Notice. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Time. Moments notice, Curtis Fuller. Love it. Love it. So you, you're really getting into that, man.
1: Well, I had to prepare for you,
0: yeah. <laughs> man. The first time I heard that album, I fell asleep. Like I was in like in high school and I fell asleep and then I turned it to the other side. And of course it was a, uh, a cassette tape, you know, because I couldn't afford CDs back then when they first yeah, came yeah. out. And then it was, and then I fell asleep promptly to the next side of it as well. And then, like, <laughs> within about five years, it became one of my all time favorite albums. But,
1: well, yeah. we can get into this if we, however you want to go about it. But I have a story about sleeping to music as well. So,
0: we'll tell it. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: uh, I listened to Sting's Nothing Like the Sun probably 2,000 times. Because I would play it before I would sleep every I'd listen to it falling asleep every night, yeah. And so that album, Fleetwood Mac Tusk, Steely Dan, Asia, there's just a you know some of that stuff that's just comfortable. and you know, so
0: i'm I'm the same way. I mean, it's funny now music now movies are that way for me, and some soundtracks mm. are that way. like, Um, it sounds, I love the movie million dollar baby as depressing as I think it is for a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that movie and I love the dialogue and I just kind of, you know, it's, it's a weird combo, but it's like, I kind of, you know, I get why she made the decision she wanted to make, you know, in terms of the main character and like her fight all the way to the end is actually quite inspiring in a very, weird strange way for in you know, yeah. a conventional level but the music is so gentle you know and 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 it's just like for some reason and because of the volume and the way that the the movie goes it's like and it's an it can be a very intense watch but after you've seen it like 10 or 15 times like me you know yeah. it's like i just i fall right <laughs> out like late at night putting, putting that movie on <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's and it seems like a creepy bedtime story considering the ending but yeah it's like <laughs> yeah
1: you, you don't you don't wake up in the middle of the night um uh, yeah yeah I, I i could probably do that with star wars but yeah i don't want to do
0: that yeah that's but, that was one of those movies i remember that was there's like two or three movies i remember waiting in line to see and that was one outside the theater, like literally wrapped around the block to get mm-hmm. in and ET ET was a movie ah, so was where you wrapped around the block to, to go see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do they even do that anymore? I mean, I don't even think, I mean, well, I
1: <laughs> not right now, but, but I have, uh, when we were going to movies, I remember it seemed to me like the Harry Potter ones were like that. I mean, but now with it, even with advanced tickets, I mean, there were still people wanting to, you know, I guess before, before seats were being assigned, um, now with seats being assigned, I don't think it's as big of a deal, but there's still lines. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I was a big, I liked movie theaters. I was a. I yeah. was a big, that was a place you could kind of escape and you either, you know, you could, it was either a, fun for a date, you know, as long as it was like someone you knew and and yeah. it wasn't like a first date and, or it was fun right. with the family or if you just by yourself and you have like a, I can skip out a work day today or just a free day and nothing yeah. going on and just kind of totally escape from the world, you know, you find me in a movie. Yeah,
1: I, I will be going back as soon as there is a movie worth, uh, worth seeing. Maybe yeah. the new James Bond movie, would, that's that's not going to be out until like October or something. But
0: we I'll go back. Yeah, yeah. And like those theaters that have like the big, with the balconies and like the old grand mm-hmm. theaters, like Alicia and I, when we went to Memphis for a vacation, like about five, maybe it was 10 years ago now, we, the Orpheum is like this, this well-known theater and it has the balcony mm-hmm. section. And we decided one night after we kind of hit like, um, Memphis's Walk area. I don't remember the mm-hmm. name of the area. Um, Bourbon, I'm not. Um, Beale God. Street. Beale Street, that's right. Beale Street Blues. That's what I was trying to think of is Beale Street. Yep. And we, we decided to go to a movie and we checked out a double feature of Psycho and The Shining and kids were literally dressed up like had gone, oh. like they had like formal dances, and they went to oh. the th- movie after the dances or before, oh, no. I don't know. And they were sitting in front of us in the balcony and watching them kind of react to seeing these movies for the first time was as much fun as yeah. watching the movies in the, in, that, yeah. in that theater.
1: So. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Man. I thought you were going to say they were like dressing up like the characters, like a Rocky Horror
0: Picture Show thing. I'm like, wow. That would be kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really would, but kind of cool too, in a weird way. I could yeah. see that happening like in a downtown area of like Atlanta, yeah. but yeah. I don't know about <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, so yeah. So, how's your, you know, as someone who's, you, you know, you know been researching the draft and being you know you're an nfl.com researcher you're doing these great videos you know at nfl.com and and you've been you know before that you were cbs and, and nfl draft scout and doing all this great work i mean where are you just personally at this point of the the the, the season are you just like like me are you just like Let's just talk about anything but the draft at this point. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I am, I am sort of at that point because unless there's actual news like today, Teddy Bridgewater getting traded, um, you know, the rest of it's just kind of noise. It sort of reminds me of you go like we're just talking about movie theaters, right? You're going into a movie theater, everybody's piling into their seats, and there's this din because everybody's just talking to the people that they're with, and blah blah, blah and it's really loud. And then the and then the lights come down, and then everybody shuts up. Well, except for that one person who doesn't shut up. But <laughs> most everybody else shuts up. And and th- that's what th- Thursday night at seven o'clock will be. You know, the lights come down. We just see what
0: happens. And then and, Bloom uh, will be that's... talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I needed to use this. clip I'm going to take this clip and use it on my show for for Thursday. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no i mean that's that's where i'm at too um i'm, I'm actually working on the 2022 class right now um, so um i'm kind of past the stress other than just watching it and enjoying it um you know i'll be doing my grades for nfl.com and stuff like that but really like my my mind is on the next group um getting to know them
0: that's nice so do yeah. you i mean just with like I see people on, on Twitter and on social media who they just get all up in arms about everybody's takes and everybody's thoughts about stuff. And well, I mean, I think it's fun to a degree to indulge in that at some point to me, I don't do it super seriously because it's kind of at the end of the day. It's like,
1: yeah, it's just like
0: you said, it is just noise.
1: It's just noise, but you know, people, they want to talk about it. And so that's, great that they want to talk about it i mean that's the whole purpose that's why it's fun uh, and uh you know the it's the greatest communication tool of all time is being used to talk about the drug. and so you know i mean and, and there's so many other you know serious things to talk about and, and and people have those conversations as well but it's okay just to talk about this and just to go back and forth on it but um, you know for me, it's just like I'm. I'm just ready to, yeah. to move on and, and and to to have it. And it's going to be so exciting. To I'm very excited. I've been texting with people with the league, working in Cleveland, and and it's so nice to see my people there again and and doing what they should be doing is covering this thing, and it's really great. And people, however, people want to talk about it is great as long as they're talking about
0: it. Yeah. I think that makes total sense and it's and it's fun. I mean like the rumors, I think people get into the whole drama and the aspect of it that's that's enjoyable and and I I think that what happens is you get people who've been covering it all year and sometimes they get a little bent out of shape. They're like the old man yeah. shaking their fist at the cloud going I've been doing this for all this time. And, and now somebody yeah. comes along and just starts talking about this as if they're an absolute thorn. It's like, why are you taking it so seriously? It's like, it's not right. that big a deal. <laughs> right. I,
1: I can't say that I never have those sort of thoughts, but you know, in the end, I'm just like, it's like anything else when, when you've been dealing with this, you know, it's my own fault for starting in On the 2022 class right now, this is what I do. So it's going to be by a year from now, I'm going to be sick of talking about it. Um, But that's kind of my job, so I I have to do that. But, uh, you know, at some level, um, you have to, you know, there's always people coming late to the party and and, uh, making their comments, and that's fine. I'm not going to engage in it. you know, and if somebody gives me a hard time, I'm just going to mute them on Twitter and whatever and move on with my, my day. Um, I don't feel the need to debate anybody about what this team's going to do or what they should do. And, you know, it's it just, it's not, it's not something I enjoy doing. But, um, but you know, it is fun to talk on radio shows and stuff like that. I've been doing a bunch of those. And, and uh, you know, it's that kind of conversation is good. It's a lot better than, Social media is very one-sided conversation. Yeah. Um at, at least with radio and you know streaming and things like that where you're you can see the other person, you can hear the other person, you can sense, you know, what their mindset is and and that's more interesting um to me and and uh, I can just at some point just say yeah, you're right or eh, agree to disagree, you know, and just we can just kind of move on without letting it stew and then having 75 other people inject their, you know, uh, <laughs> stuff into our conversation as well. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's different. It's more interesting and more, I think more fun. Um, well,
0: so, who are some, it. who are some of your favorite players from 2021 before we go into 2022, but just who are guys yeah. that for whatever reason, I mean, I don't care. Who, who Why, right. why do you, why do you love the, some of the players you love and who are well, they? Well,
1: I love, uh, because, I'm nearly the same size as some of these offensive linemen. I, I like the offensive line. That's just what I, I enjoy. They're the engine that makes the whole offense work. And so Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma has been a favorite of mine since he started as a freshman. You know, I mean, Richard Freshman, he's he's outstanding. I, I love watching him. Um, you know, all the offensive linemen are great to watch, or Sean Slater's fantastic to watch. Um, it, it's, it's really um, – I really love watching O line play more than pretty much anything else. Um, you know, uh, I think in terms of favorites, like I don't know if I have a favorite among the quarterback class. Really, I, I wish we could have seen more of Trey Lance this year. Yeah, um, and, and and I really do because he's he's got so many fantastic goals. It's it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh. I'm really rooting for him and Justin Fields to be like fantastic because, especially the further they fall, the harder I'm going to root for him. Yeah. Um, if either have them fall, maybe they won't. Um, um, you know, I, I think it's really, um, you know, a, a really, it's a good, it's a great story when guys, again, the Deshaun Watsons and, and some other guys that go a little bit later than they should based on their talent, Lamar Jackson, for example. Those guys really, when um, they succeed, Teddy Bridgewater, who got traded, you know, he's a perfect example of a guy who should have gone way earlier than thirty second. And if not for a severe leg injury, you know, who knows what would happen. So, those are the guys that I I really uh, root for. Um, tight ends, I love all tight ends because they're so underutilized in college. It's it's not even fun. Um, well, other than Kyle Pitts, of course, which, you know, sure. that's a no brainer using him, but Pat Friermuth, I, mean, I just felt bad for him this last year because their ter- offense was so terrible at Penn State. Um, he, you know, he, he could have been playing in the pros, honestly, last year, uh, you know, he's, he's that talented, but I think he's going to end up being a great pro, Yeah, um, you know? Um, and I can't. I, you know, there's a lot of interesting guys like Asante Samuel Jr., for example. Um, not a lot of 5'10, 108 pound cornerbacks are taken in the first round. They just, they just aren't. You can get to be 5'10, but those guys are usually like closer to 200 pounds, a little thicker. Um, he's an interesting story and just a heck of a player, and, and I want him on my team. Um, I'll be really interested to see where, where he goes. Just because two uh, teams break away. And, you know, size is an interesting thing in this year's draft because you've got all these receivers, too, right? That are 5'7, you know, 185, like Rondale Moore and, and Elijah Moore at 5'9, 180, something, dripping wet. 2 um, 2 Atwell, 149, or whatever it was. It's just, there's a lot of size issues. And, and the tackle class, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, like 32 and one eighths arms. I mean, you don't, that, that length is not usually selected in the first round. Um, certainly not for tackle prospect. And so I'll be really interested in, and Sean Slater also doesn't have great legs. So how much, it'll be interesting to see how teams, if they pay attention to that, or do they watch the film? You know, what, what are they, how, how much of an issue is it for, for these guys? Um, who are outstanding players but don't have the length and don't have the, the, um, you know, typical frame. Devontae Smith at 166 or whatever he weighed at, you know. It's going to be an interesting case study for uh, how teams look at this stuff this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's you mentioned a, a lot of great players in terms of just like, in terms of prospects. And, you know, it's funny, I'm with you with Pat Frymuth. I absolutely loved... His game. And that's a guy that, I mean, you met, I, I've been a big, tra- you know, admirer of Trey Lance's game from what I've seen. So certainly I'm there with you there. But, but with is a guy just watching him block, just watching what he can do. I think he's, I mean, right. I don't know. I think he's one of the best three to five tight ends who, in terms of blocking that we've seen since OJ Howard came out. I know?
1: know, right? I mean, he's, he doesn't get that credit. Uh, and I hate the baby gronk thing, I mean, it's just like, all right already with that, but you know you have those thoughts when yeah. you when you watch them and uh it's hard not to it's
0: i i prefer the joke, the mock with him that I still think is actually a a a more apt but still a compliment, which is rob slokowski um yeah. <laughs> I I actually think that's a term of endearment, but I know some people yeah. didn't mean it that way. But I like right. Rob slokowski so you know. But there, you know, you see that. I mean, he just he's fluid like Rob, so it, it right right. It, you know that's important and it's valuable. What what he can do, you know, with and without the ball that way. Well, who yeah. are some who are some twenty two guys that you're looking forward to watching? Like just from because of either first glance or from reading up on them or just hearing stuff, whatever it is, you know, and, and sure at first, you know, I mean, I know that you have a process of what you start off with before you truly start studying a lot of tape, but, but, you know, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, right now I'm just kind of floating through depth charts and, and just trying to um, look up on some stories on guys and, and to get some background information together. Um, Part of my job at NFL Network is to be sort of an advanced scout. And part of that is identifying stories that we're going to be wanting to do for our long-form stuff. Chase Goodbread does an excellent job with those. Um, Andy Fenelon as well. And so I need to kind of identify those guys up front because this summer they're going to want to go and talk to those guys. Um, so I'm in that part of the process right now. And... Uh, you know, it's interesting, somebody asked me uh, on Twitter what I thought of the skill position for next year. Um, and you know, these dynasty drafts, you know, they go all the time. Um, so, know, it's interesting, there's some quarterbacks, are, it's going to be, I'll be, it's going to be interesting, can Keaton Slovis from USC kind of take that next step? Um, Brock Purdy from uh, Iowa State. He's got so much talent, too many turnovers last year. D- does he rectify that in his senior year and take a big leap? Uh, and Iowa State is going to be a fun team in general because they brought all these guys. Brees Hall is so fun to
0: watch. Yes, generally. I love Brees Hall.
1: He is so good, and and I'm really looking forward to watching that team. Um, uh, their center, uh, Cole Newell, I think is going to be one of the top guys in the draft I mean I just it's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting quarterbacks to watch Sam Howell um you know there's could be another it's I'm guessing it's going to be another year of three or four quarterbacks in the first round have you seen Uh, and
0: have you seen JT Daniels
1: I have I have
0: I'm curious Um, what you think of him because I haven't really watched much of him yet
1: yeah I think um he is really smart, and he was real. I mean, coming off the injury and the transfer with the COVID issue, it took him some time to ramp up this year. But looking at Georgia for next year, I mean, that guy has all kinds of weapons around him.
0: Pickens, um, yeah.
1: He's smart. If if Pickens can come back from injury, but even Kiaris Jackson, um, I mean, they, they've got – they're, they're going to have plenty of talent on that team I think Daniels is a really smart operator from the pocket, and then I think he's got some athleticism to him too, we, despite the injury. And I, I think he's going to be; teams are going to like that guy, uh, the way he carries himself. He's a leader. I think he's going to be right up there, um, and you know, uh, you know him and Slovis and Howell, and I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Um, Grant Wells from Marshall is another guy that. Uh, it's going to be under the radar, but but he's got some talent. Um, the running back class is going to be excellent with Hall, um, a bunch of other guys that my brain yeah. is freezing. Bijan
0: that. Bijan Robinson out of yeah. Texas is uh, he may not be eligible, but just watching. He's not
1: him, eligible, but yeah. he's excellent. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: unbelievable. Yeah. But I'm um, I'm trying to you know Zamir White is an interesting pro interesting pro prospect yeah. that'll be. I mean, he's not as great as some of the other guys that I think are that we could probably bring up, but trying to think of who else. He's talented for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I thought he might come out, uh, you know, looking at him in 2019, I thought, Oh, this guy could be so good that he's got to come out, you know, after this year. And it didn't really turn out that way. And he made the right decision, um, going back, but, but man, um, I'm just gonna pull up my list here because I'm old and I don't remember anything. Anymore. While
0: you're while you're looking at that, David Bell out of Purdue, that's another yes, guy that I'm yes. a big fan. You know, if you like Rondale Moore, wait till you see David Bell. I
1: love Ron I love him so much more than Rondale Moore. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you now too. I just have to I have to remember to keep David Bell and Ronnie Bell from Michigan separate. Because <laughs> Ronnie Bell's also talented. But David Bell is another level with his foot quickness and his reliability as a receiver. I mean, he's he's explosive I and mean, he's first-round quality guy. Yeah. Um, who else did we need? Oh, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, of course. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, dual-threat guy again, sort of in the Baker Mayfield. Well, he's six foot tall, but you know, super athletic. Rocket arm, he's he's going to be in that first round conversation next year. Carson Strong from Nevada, another guy we're going to be another Mountain West quarterback we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, lots of guys, lots of guys. Bo Nix, Bo Nicks is so interesting because he's such a gunslinger that he could either like become a Heisman Trophy candidate next year or he could lose the starting top. You have no idea what that dude's going to do. Um, so he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um just checking out my list here. Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. I was about to bring good him is up. is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So explosive.
0: Um, yeah. Kennedy CBS Brooks out fashion. of OU. Smart <clears throat> yeah. back. Smart back, you know.
1: Right. Right. Very, very Trey Sermon-like, don't you think? I mean, yeah. do you think – I mean, like in terms of his ability to see things and, and despite being larger, that doesn't stop him from – finding where he needs to go. No, right? without I mean, a That's doubt. the way I look. Um, Yeah, so um, lots of, oh, Tyler Goodson from Iowa. Have you, he's, he's another uh, junior and he's going to follow my favorite prospect coming that could have left for last year, this draft, but was coming back for next year, Tyler Lindenbaum from, Lindenbaum from uh, Iowa. Um, just one of those zone centers that, is gonna struggle to be over three hundred pounds, but who cares? Because he's he is tough, he is strong, and I just love watching him play. And so, uh, you know, Iowa's offense is gonna be pretty good again next year, and uh, Goodson running behind that uh, offensive line.
0: Well, we're Lots gonna have fun. to we're gonna we'll definitely watch Baum, um together, mm-hmm. and we got that queued up in the coming week, so that should be a lot of fun. We'll do a film room on him, but uh, yeah, that just sounds that sounds great
1: <clears throat> well and then receivers for next year since i have it up you know uh the ohio state guys olave and and garrett wilson um pickens as we mentioned bell frank ladson from clemson is another name we're gonna hear drake london from usc he was their best guy last year uh so john mechie from Alabama. i mean there's so tons of names there's I don't know that the group will be as deep a receiver next year as it was this the last couple of years, but there's going to be some good games. At the top.
0: Yeah, it's, they they keep coming. Do you think the NFL do you think the NFL is looking at how these offenses are kind of churning out guys? Do you think they give any kind of um look at future years and think, well, we've got this number of guys coming out that it makes our decision-making process feel like, well, if that quarterback doesn't hit right away year 1, or even midway through year two, we're just going to ditch him by the side of the road. I mean, do you yeah. think that's happening now more than ever?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you've seen it not only with in the draft, but with free agency. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater out the door after a year. Yeah. Uh, coaches don't have time to wait around for a guy to figure it out. And they need to win or else they're gone. So, and so, but in terms of can you not take a quarterback this year or another position and then because you expect them to be good next year, you, I don't think you can, not in the early rounds anyway, you can't really think that way, but you, and you also don't want to be a slave to like some of the, some people are saying if they don't get a quarterback this year, they're never going to find a quarterback. Well, that's not true either. Um, you know, so I think you kind of have to deal with one year at a time for the draft but there will be guys in next year's draft that you can work with and and I think we're at the point now especially with the underclassmen influx, and how guys are so much ready freshmen and sophomores are just so ready to play in college now um and it didn't used to be that way and and I think part of it is that high schools are running the same kind of stuff that colleges are running and now NFL teams are running I mean it's it's become it's almost become like a a, a small community football program where the, the the fourth and fifth graders are in the same offense that the high school runs so you can run the same guys all the way up through the youth program um, and so I, I think you know more more three four receiver sets in high school more three four receiver sets in college and it's getting into the pros and and um i think nfl teams are also more willing the good coaches are more willing to change their schemes to fit what their what their players are capable of and if you need that receiver to have an impact in year one you better have a fairly simple route tree or a, or a, a, a thin playbook for him um relatively speaking so that he knows what he's doing out there and that he and his community in this quarterback are on the same page. Um, And uh, so I think teams are starting to understand that they're trying to simplify. I, I don't know if it, you know, at one level teams playbooks aren't necessarily getting thinner, but I think you can run fewer plays. You can run fewer plays and you can do option routes. You can, you can do other things where you don't have to memorize as many plays, but maybe just work more on communication within a particular play so that guys can kind of work through that and not memorize, you know, 16 million plays, if that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It seems more like basketball or soccer in that sense where it's like, you kind of feel like, okay, you're reading the location and reacting. And it seems like that fits also a different mindset of a player too, because I would think when you're now scouting talent, you're you're now looking towards not so much whether they can whiteboard you to death and, like, they have that high-end book intelligence of learning, you know, based on reading or visualizing, um, you know, material and memorizing as much as it is about whether you have that motor intelligence, whether you have that intuitive, on-the-spot, you know, on your mark. Because, like, that's one of the things I've always, like, been preaching a lot about with quarterback play is that it seems like the common thread with all the great quarterbacks is that whether it's, they come to it through massive amounts of memorization and they're highly prepared with every contingency or they're more fly by the seat of their pants kind of players. They, the minute they see what they're supposed to see, the ball comes out and they right. know where the ball's supposed to be based on all of that too. They can do the calculus quick enough to know, all right, it's a, it's a sale route. And the defender's playing you know a shade that he's gonna wind up underneath the receiver. So let me Mm. throw it high and behind the receiver instead of leading him. And it's like and and know when to do it as opposed to the guy who's super smart but waits like three beats and goes, Well, did he get open or not? And then the quarterback's either sacked or he throws it late and the and the defender's recovered. And you're like you know, and you're like, Well, why is he's so smart, but why does he throw all these interceptions or in the pivotal throws we need him? it's he's never on the mark you know and it's, right. and i think that that's i think we're seeing that more i wonder how the nfl's measuring that though and how they're going to measure that you know in the future because the, the wonder like we know certainly it has it has a very it may have a certain limited place however you argue yeah. it. yeah but yeah yeah
1: well they have many other psychological and and educational tasks that they guys and we will get to some of the but I think in the end, you know, film shows that at, at one level, but it's really conversations with conversations with the college coaches. Um, what can you trust him to do? Can you trust him to make the right read? Can you do, and you can see some of that on film, even if you're not quite sure whether the quarterback was making the wrong read or whether the receiver was making the wrong, read, you could get a pretty good idea of who's in the right uh, and who isn't. And you you can kind of work through that, but um you know, and again, it's funny because when you're an NFL coach, you have to have the ego that says I can either fix this guy or I can take him from level three to level six. And that's what my job is. And, and I, the more and more I do this, the more and more it, it's, it's obvious to me that traits um, really do rule the day at, at one level because you've seen so many guys – that just were raw in college, and and you can see it. And then the, their coaches do take them to the next level. And I think the complement to that is that you have to talk to their coaches and say, "Is this guy coachable? Um, is he is he going to get frustrated if I try to teach him something?" You know, those conversations plus traits are really a, you know a big deal in the process. And um, you know, I think that's. That's why you can't just go off college stats. That's why you just can't, you know, you, you have to know a lot about the player um, and be able to trust your coaches. You know,
0: I think Buffalo guy... and Josh Allen's a good example of that.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And and you have to build the team around too. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I the bills have one of the best rosters in football right now mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there trying to do my dress for him. I'm like, well, I guess they can use a guy here. I guess they can use a guy here and this is the kind of guy that they're going to want and you know, I, it's it's you know, that makes a difference when you have a team like Bean and and a good head coach and you hit on the guy that a lot of guys wouldn't go for, or take a gamble with. Yeah. Um it makes it makes a big difference.
0: So what about So what about the Bills? I mean, I was asked the other day about this cuz they said, "Where do you stand on running backs early in the draft and, 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 you know, are you, do you have a firm stance one way or the other? And I said, no, I mean, for me it was, well, the bills are one to two games away from a super bowl and they have that great roster. If you feel like the running back is going to tie the offense together in a way that makes them even more dynamic. Why wouldn't you pick the best one that you think's available to you on the board? Um, Even if it's a two, three year run and that's all you're going to get out of them. Well, that may be all that you have these players for is two to three more years. So why not? Now, if you're rebuilding and you're the Jets, different story, Um, you know, but I would love for you to, you know, kind of, I'd like to hear your take on that as well as like, are you a build inside out kind of guy? Like if you, if you got to play GM owner of a team, I mean, where do you stand there?
1: Uh, I think. I think, other than, it would be difficult for me to pick a running back in the first twenty picks. Uh, the last guy I thought was probably really worth that was Adrian Peterson. Um, simply because of of the attrition at the position. Yeah. Um, now for Buffalo they're picking late in every round. So if they love somebody at the end of the second round and they're not thrilled with Singletary and Moss, well, I don't blame them for that. I wouldn't blame them for making that pick. If, if there is a guy available, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure there's a guy available this year's draft that I would take at that point because the top guys would be gone by then. Um, and I'm not sure I would pull up anybody from the third round. Um, Michael Carter potentially is a late second for the right. I don't know that that's what they want. Yeah. Um, I think they want a different kind of back. So I think they can meet that need in the third round, fourth round this year. I don't know that Devin Singletary has done as an NFL running back. I don't know when that was decided. Right. Um, but I, I, I think um, – you can make that happen. And We've seen enough running backs from the fourth, fifth, sixth round become special players that uh, you can, you can wait. Yeah. I think you can wait on that. And, and I think really the first two rounds, it's a conversation, but once you get the third round, then it's really just the best guy that's on your board and, and regardless of position. And um, you know, if you're not going to get a special, special guy at the very top of the draft, then or at the top of the second round. I mean, I think, I think that's when I think we see that with that with run and running back to the top of the second round um, because you're not beholden to them for four to five years necessarily and, and don't have the investment. Um, but, you know, we've seen some pretty good running backs step in and be a integral part of teams. And um, so I, I don't think it's the position's not dead, quote, dead. Um, I don't think of that at all. But it do, you th- was,
0: do you think the pocket? Do you think the pocket quarterback's dead? The no. way people talk about, it? yeah. What? Why not? No,
1: no, because uh, the well. If Kyle Trask makes it, then we know that the pocket quarterback is not dead. Okay. Mac. <laughs> <Okay>. Mac <laughs> M- Jones. No, I-, I think a pocket quarterback, um, and I think. The reason why Matt Jones is as highly thought of, we'll see when the draft actually happens. But if he goes high, I think the pocket quarterback still has a role in the league. If he can make decisions quickly, and until, if he can read and get the ball out quickly and distribute the ball to playmakers, he can make it. If He, he has much less of a margin of error, though, um, as a younger quarter or as a uh, more athletic quarterback and so it's 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 the flip side of of what we did 20 years ago right i mean this is i i think i think the reason for that is that defenses are just so much faster now um you cannot hold the ball for any period of time against an average to above average defense you just can't um and, and so he's got to be able now. Mac Jones is not a statue by any stretch. No. Um, and he has some ability to move within the pocket. So he has a chance of making it. Um, Kyle Trask, maybe not as much. Yeah. Um, and some other guys that are just, so I think it's hard for an un, totally unathletic quarterback, but I think a pocket passer has to have at least average athleticism for the position. But if he can make that quick read and quick throw, um, he's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably the most reasoned argument that I've heard because, you know, I've kind of joked the other day is that, well, if if the pocket quarterback were dead, and this is not a great argument, but it's just to me it was kind of funny to to state because I realize the holes in it as I'm stating it, but it's that (laughs) it's the idea that if it were dead, if there was some like magic kryptonite that was like going right. to eliminate all pocket quarterbacks, Tom Brady's career would have been down done like in an instant, you know? And it's like, yeah. they would have found the antidote to a Tom Brady. If, if well, that were the case.
1: Here, here's the thing. I mean, and it's interesting because we're talking about two different things. We're talking about young guys coming into the league right? versus, versus rivers, breeze, Brady, um, Roth's were now we can barely move. Right. Those guys have been in the league long enough. Where they can, they're used to the speed of the game and they know the decisions. And they, so I think that's why I don't liken Jones to Brady because Tom Brady was not Tom Brady when he entered the NFL. No, he wasn't. Um, just like Zach Wilson from BYU reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers when he was at Cal. He's not the guy he is now, but the way he flicks the ball, the way he moves, the confidence, I mean, he looks like a guy that could be really successful in the NFL. Um, but in terms of pocket quarterbacks, those guys have been around for so long, they could do it. New guys coming in the league.
0: They don't get the luxury. Yeah. They,
1: no, no. And 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 it's going to be, it's mo- much more difficult now um, because you can scheme a young mobile quarterback to get him out of those situations, but you can't scheme a guy (laughs) to get the ball. I mean, you can, but you can't throw, uh, you You can lead a horse to water. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they do in college all the time because they can throw, you know, horizontal passes to their running and to their receivers and they can get 10 yards a clip. Yeah. Can't do that in the NFL. It's not going to work. So, um, but you can scheme the mobile guy and get him into a flow of an offense. And then, let him throw those daggers from the pocket.
0: Yeah, nice. So listen, we got we we could talk football if you want. We could talk whatever you want to talk about at this point. I really don't care. I mean, we're at a point that you know. I I like getting a chance to just kind of chop it up with you any how any way you want. Yeah. But like I laugh because like I think about like the the Packers stuff in the background. Like when I was growing up watching football, it's funny. Like you know, I grew up in Cleveland. And my grandmother used to tell stories about the Browns playing the Packers. So, like the Packers were like, were kind of like the royalty of football. Like you know, even even the Clevelanders who who lived in the heyday of like Otto Graham and Jim Brown and all those people. So it's fascinating to me. But now the drafts in Cleveland, I sent Ben P- Fennel a picture of a Polish boy. And um, I don't know if you know what a Polish boy is. No. But, okay, no. it's a, it's a, it sounds weird when I just said that, but it's a, it's actually a Cleveland dish. It's a, it's a kielbasa, in a plain bun, that's topped normally with slaw, French fries, straight cut, straight cut French fries, and barbecue sauce, and that's mm. like known as like the blue collar like clevelander dish and they have polish they serve polish boys everywhere so i said you need to get one of these if you're in cleveland and he said i can get one this is where this is what i should get here so i went on twitter and said clevelanders go you know tell ben where he should go to get a good polish boy so i'm you know i don't think it compares to some of the the fair you know that you can get in wisconsin but um
1: well first of all um this is not green bay packers stuff
0: that's true. This is
1: the team. This is the team that I coached uh, high school football. Oh, okay. Uh, and this is a, uh, a youth helmet that was signed by all the guys in my stepson's grade, um, and the coaches and stuff like that. And then they gave me this football um, after their senior season. I got to coach. Nice. So those are two of my most prized positions. What do you? And, uh, so that's why. What,
0: what do you like about coaching? What did you, um,
1: you know, I got to act like a 16 year old on the field with them and mess around with them. No, I mean, a lot of stuff, seeing them grow up, uh, seeing them mature, um, yelling. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of yelling. Didn't do a lot of yelling. Uh, you know, just teaching, um, learning from my fellow coaches, uh, I'm not a super competitive person, so like game days were always rough for me um, because I didn't want the guys to get injured more than anything else. And I'm I want to win, you know. When we're playing, I want, I, but I want to win because I want to see the boys happy. You know, yeah. that's why I want you know want to win. And and um, I'm big on sportsmanship. Uh, we had a, a young lady on our team. Oh, who is a joy. And and uh, one time, one of our guys, you know, the, she was going up against um, a guy in, in a drill and uh, she put him on his back. And one of our guys said, you got beat by a girl. And of course he was, all the guys loved this, you know, loved this girl. He, he, he was making fun of the guy and he sure. wasn't at all being, you know, wasn't being mean to her at all. But one of the few times I yelled really yelled um, on a field and I brought the whole team together and I say, you know, we're all teammates here. I don't ever want to hear that again. I know you were joking. It's, you know, I know you weren't being mean to her, but we don't, we don't do that. And, um, you know, just kind of teaching guys um, and, you know, really, being part of that and being part of a team is great, uh, just in general. Um, so and it was a good group of guys. It's a great group of guys. I, I miss seeing them and, and working with them. Uh, it was a great experience.
0: That's awesome. Do you, I would imagine that also kind of informs what you do a little bit too. I'm sure you take oh, things sure. away from that, you know?
1: Sure. Well, I put, you know, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to work under a head coach that his dad was a very successful head coach at the college level and high school level and now he works um at one of the service academies and um and another guy played small division football um and you know it was a lot of fun to work with so i learned a lot from the coaches uh and i already knew this and i've already people in sports media sometimes forget that these guys are kids um, and and they're they're people Uh, and saying certain things that I would never say about anybody because they're working very hard uh, to entertain us with their skills and and, um, you know so that drove that home even a little bit more to me um, as well as coaches you know uh, and it was very valuable it's just super valuable experience. I talked I talked with Matt Bowen about this regularly um, because obviously he's a, he's a very successful coach too now in the Chicago area. And, um I'm hoping to get to one of his practices this summer. But um yeah, we agree it's just, I if, anybody watching this, if you ever think about volunteer coaching with somebody, just go do it. Just go do it. Whatever sport it is.
0: I can't recommend it know. Nice. So what's Matt Bowen like a little bit? You know, I've met, I see Matt at the senior bowl every once in a while. And mm-hmm. like, like, it's funny. We've never like properly met, but like we, oh, okay. we, but like I'll see him at the same, at the same restaurant that we all ended up going to. And then oh, like, sure. and he'll like, I'll look at him and he'll look at me. And like, we both know each of each other on some level. Yeah. Like, like we recognize each other and like nod. And then that's about it you know but I, uh Matt
1: just... you need to introduce yourself through Twitter and get to know Matt. He's legitimately one of the nicest guys, very smart. You would love talking football with him. Sweet. Honestly. Sweet. Do it do it today. Do okay. it today because he's really uh, a great guy and uh, and uh, I I would 100%. And how bad can a guy be that was picked the pick before Tom Brady, right? He has to be therefore better. Than Tom Brady, so that's that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I they if they would have played him at quarterback instead of uh, safety, maybe he he could have had a twenty year career. No, there um, you go, just a fantastic, just fantastic guy.
0: Who are guys you learned from um, over the years when you were getting started? Because I certainly learned from you, um, and 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 I certainly appreciate you. For those who are listening, don't know, I mean, I I certainly appreciate Chad for you know, his mentorship and for his feedback and just kind of seeing how it's done and being able to ask questions and, and to get his feedback about things. And, and I enjoyed that and just kind of learning the logistics as well of like, how do you make sure you have available games and all of those types of things that you, you would ask when you're trying to start up and do this stuff. So who was that for you? Cause certainly it seemed like, I wonder who that would be.
1: Well, when I started doing this stuff 20 years ago, there were not a lot of websites doing it. There were some. Um, Dan Shanka from Our Lats has been doing it a long time, and so, uh, you know, he's a guy that was uh, really, really respected. Um, I've gotten to know um, Todd McShay a bit over the years, and he's an excellent guy, and uh, I like talking with him. Um, Of course, all the guys at NFL Network that I work with now from DJ to Lance and and all all these guys, um, you know, are good too. I've learned a lot from guys in the league over time. Um, A a lot of stuff I had to teach myself, really. I mean, you can read stuff, but it's not the same as digging in and just putting in the hours uh, of learning. And then trying to think what you think of a player – and then go reading people you respect like Dan or Todd or anybody else and see how that meshes. And then going back to the film, something doesn't seem right. And just saying, okay, I'm going to go back and watch this. And you either confirm what you thought or you say, well, you know, if I would, maybe I'll watch a different game and see what this and see if there's something, because not, not everybody has time to watch every game of every player. So you have to, try some different games and, and uh, you know see, Oh, well, maybe I missed that. And you have to be able to correct yourself. You have to be able to say, you know, first look on this guy, I thought X. But the more I watch and the more I realize I kind of got a bad impression that first time and I have to re-think about how I'm thinking about this guy and maybe tweak my initial evaluation. You have to be able to correct yourself. Um, not based on what other people say, but based on what, what you're viewing and maybe coming into it a, in a different way in a different mindset. Um, but in terms of, you know, real, uh, real, um, mentors and things like that, I, I tend to, um, I looked at, well, look, I looked at what Mel Kiper did, was doing. And, and cause that's really, you know, for TV, he was it. You know, at that at that point, really. Um, And, you know, I was basically like, well, I can do that, I think. Um, I think I've told you this story before, but I'll just say it quickly again that I got started because I got the flu and I was knocked out on the couch for a week. And it happened to be bowl week between Christmas and New Year, So I watched every game. And I always loved the Packers ring up. So I'm like, well, I can write about the Packers, and I can write about the draft. Made a website, and just started going. Um, and, uh, you know, it just was uh, like, hey, I can watch college football, and I can watch pro football. What's what's better than this? So um, that's kind of how I, how I got started. And I try to learn from – you know, to be honest with you, I learn from you, Matt. I learn from anybody that I re- – I, there are a few people that I will go read their stuff because I know I will learn something. And, um, and, and so if you're not learning, you're either standing still or falling behind. So, uh, you know, you have to, you have to be willing. You can't, you can't think you know everything because if you think you know everything, then you're not learning and then you're not growing. So, um, I think that's, a you know,
0: what did you, uh, When did you? I mean, I mean, I joke that like if you grew up in, you know, Wisconsin or grew up in Ohio, that like basically you were inject football was injected into your veins at an early age. But I'd I'd still say like when did you know that you were? When did you knew you became a fan of football? Like how old were you?
1: Well, it's interesting. When I was younger, I was actually much more into baseball. Um, You know, my mother told me. Has told me many times. Like, I knew you were going to get into sports somehow because you wouldn't let go of those baseball cards. You were, you know. I remember buying. I remember buying my first pack of baseball cards in 1980. Larry Heisel was on the front card and it had a big piece of chewing gum stuck to it, and it had a big, uh, you know, the big uh, stain you know, on the card as they as yeah. they put the bubble gum. That's, I remember going to Bernstead's grocery store and buying that first pack of cards. I was eight. I remember watching. I do remember following football because I remember Vince Ferragamo and the Rams. Um, so, but really football took off for me. Um, I watched through the through the lean years of the 80s. I loved Lynn Dickey, JJ and James Lofton, and Paul Kaufman. Paul Kaufman was my guy. Um, but it really, it was really the Brett Favre era. And it really became, because it just takes it took Packer football to where it was in the sixties for my parents. Yeah. Uh, and and so once that happened, it it became all about football for me, for the most part. Um, I love college basketball, but, but it was, it was all about football at that point. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. That's interesting. And it's funny what dictates those things. I remember, I mean, I collected baseball cards. I still have a ton of baseball and football cards. Um, that but I have to look through, and I mean, I found it's interesting. Like, I have some really good ones, I just don't know if they're even remotely in any condition that would be right make them worth worthwhile. But, um, I do have some like you know, like rookie Ozzie Newsome and Joe Green and Walter Payton and things like from the 70s. And but I used to, I literally used to plan skip days to go where I'd go to the library the day before and, and get books about football players, and then I would go home and and fake that i was sick and just read them out loud you know like in second first or second grade there's like a picture of me somewhere uh like a black and white photo of me somewhere of me asleep before i was like two or three years old with a football like it was like my binky or something Um, so it's kind of funny because i was the i was the kid in our neighborhood that that the that if we could play football every day, that would be cool. And then I started getting annoyed when video games got popular and super Mario, Mario started to become a big deal. And people, I knew we were in trouble when like my friends, we were all getting together to play football and they're like one more game. Let's play one more game of Mario. And they're sitting inside doing that. And I'm like, come on guys, let's go, you know, let's go to the park and let's play, you know? And and, I had
1: a left-handed friend uh, and we would pretend to be, um, like uh, uh, you know, Montana Rice or Steve Young and Rice. You know, like when we were younger. Um, um, and, and it's funny that you say that because apparently my mom has a, a report that I wrote when I was like six or seven about Bart star um, <laughs> And I don't have it, but apparently I wrote some kind of report on Bart Starr when I was when I was a kid. So um, when I was very young, so. Um,
0: one of my, so, yeah, yeah, one of my best one of my best friends growing up, his name was trey, and trey Trey was the short kid in our school whose dad was a former major league baseball player. Um, mm. and so he was a good athlete. and Trey was a good athlete. and he played all the sports, but he loved football as well. And, you know, we hit it off because he lived. I met him when I moved to Atlanta, and he we lived in an apartment building that had like, um six apartments and like kind of a three floor thing and so there was a common hallway mm. and down in the basement on rainy days he and i would like do our own ver- 10 year 10 to 12 year old version of oklahoma drills in the hallway <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that I'm surprised that we didn't like that our neighbors didn't lose their minds and we didn't get hurt either. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the hurt part didn't matter to us, but it was like, now I'm thinking about that because then we'd play because then, like, five or six years later, we'd play the football team. We'd play guys from the football team who were like our starting linebackers. And like, I'd get flipped catching a ball, and then like, he would smack a guy so hard that you'd hear it. And, like, literally knocked the wind out of the guy. And my buddy Trey was just angry because he was too – he didn't grow fast enough. So, he yeah. – like, he made the eighth-grade football team, but they wouldn't play him even though he would light up practice. He would literally light up practice. And then in games are like, you're too small. We don't want to risk you getting hurt. And, like, he could still play, like, in, like, Pop Warner in eighth, ninth grade because he, like, <laughs> was still under 125. Um, you know, so by like 10th, 11th grade, he had stopped playing football, like organized football, but he was still kind of angry about it. So it was fun to play with him because we'd play like guys on the football team and watching him like just plant linebackers was like one of my favorite things in life to do. And by the way, what was funny is in college, he went to Alabama and in college, um, to round the story out. We came. We we were both back in Atlanta, and we watched a preseason game of Atlanta football in the like early '90s. And and he said, and he was like, "We got to watch the second half. We have to watch the second half." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "He goes because this got this is quarterback from Southern Mississippi." this guy is unbelievable. I watched him when he played <laughs> Alabama and he told me the whole story about Favre getting in the wreck, you know, and coming <laughs> back and how like ungodly good this guy was going to be. And he was like, you have got to remember this guy's name. And so I always laugh because my buddy Trey Scott, um, you know, was the first guy I ever knew to call Brett Favre like coming way beforehand. He and I remember we watched him and we were like, "Wow, what an arm this guy has!" And like, yeah. you know, and then when the Falcons traded him, I'm us kind of lamenting that, and and we laugh about it to this day.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's funny how these guys have these impacts on our lives and we don't even know it. And that's and that's part of the reason I got into this at some level because look, football's a game. It's always going to be a game. It's a business, um, but it, it it does bring people together and give people memories, and um, it does a lot more than just, you know, fill up three hours on a Sunday, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, fun to, it's fun to do. I get into a lot of other things in my life. Um, you know, I have a degree in economics and, and masters in and government um, policy. And I studied other things and get into other things, but like in the end, it, it's, it's hard to beat the community that comes out of a group of football fans. Um, you can go somewhere and most people, if I go to a bar and, and hang out with people, they don't want to talk about quantum mechanics. Okay, <laughs> They want to talk about what the Packers are going to do. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm like, okay, enough about the football talk. Let's talk about something else. But when you're in the business, then that's what people want to talk with you about. Um, and, and that's great because it does bring a sense of community. It, it, the difference in an office building after a win on Sunday versus a loss on Sunday, and then that office building on a Monday morning is, is palpable. Um, and, it's, and it's fun to be able to be part of that at some level where you're um, helping people enjoy it more um or maybe commiserating with them uh depending on the results
0: so okay i gotta know bucket list concert living or dead you know it doesn't matter Mm.
1: oh living or dead
0: yeah it doesn't matter yeah
1: well i tell you what if i if i had a time machine um i think the first place i'd go would be the rooftop of abbey road studios to watch the Beatles play there, um, playing there during the, the uh, Let It Be. Um, then after that, there's a video of Jimi Hendrix playing in Maui that I've been watching recently, and I would love to be in that place. And it's so funny because, you know, Jimi was so great, but the vibe of all these 70s children, um, just like standing up and dancing and enjoying the music. And that vibe is great. Um, I, I highly recommend people that are into classic rock to check that out. Um, let's see. Um, those would be two. I never got to see Zeppelin. And I think the biggest regret, I wish I, I would have been a little older, to see Queen with Freddie Mercury when they came to Chicago in 1886. I was 14 wasn't quite happening for me my first concert was three years after that when i went to see the who um in the 89 25th anniversary tour <laughs> nice. this is weird as that is um, so but i've gone to a lot of concerts and stuff in my life and, I, and i'm very thankful for that, that, I, that i did that but seeing freddie live uh would have been the the coolest thing. Did you see,
0: you know, I love the, I love the biopic that they did. Um, The, 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 that was really nice. Um, Speaking of movies, I saw the Elton John biopic. Have you seen the Elton John biopic? I haven't seen it. I haven't
1: seen it. You
0: know, I, I'm not a, I mean, like I was not a huge, huge Elton John fan, though I loved, I loved his 70s work and some of his 80s work. Mm -hmm. But that was probably the best music biopic i've seen since ray like Mm. i was the they really had a sense of poetry with it that was it was kind of like a musical but not and i'm not a fan of musicals like i'm just you know i don't know why i'm not but i'm just not but Mm. but this was this was like jesus
1: christ superstar
0: I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar, so that's probably why I'm not a fan of musicals. Oh, okay, so well, first of
1: all, you don't have to see it; just listen to the concept album because it started as a oh, concept it's great. album, and then Yeah, the concept album is all, all I really care about. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. But no, yeah, but the, the, I, I get you.
0: you. That's great. Um, so, so yeah, the. But yeah, that's a that's a great one. I would definitely, I would highly recommend okay. anybody out there.
1: Yeah, I'm still behind on movies and shows and stuff. I haven't seen anything. I'm maybe that'll be on my list this summer. I don't know, but um,
0: I'm the same. I've been getting into
1: chess, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've been getting into chess, but not because I've seen Queen's Gambit like everybody else. I've just got kind of back into chess, and uh, I don't know. I just haven't seen a lot. The last thing I watched was Game of Thrones. I think was the last thing that I actually made myself, you know, follow on a weekly basis. Um, Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I just haven't made time for that recently. but yeah, um, well, what concert what, what do you what do you wish you what do you wish you had seen? Or what, what's your bucket list?
0: Well, I'd love to see John Coltrane. So to be able to see him, I'd like to see like the later years, John Coltrane kind of with, with Jimmy Garrison and Elvin Jones um, you know, seeing them play like the Love Supreme kind of stuff. I, I really like. I really would love that, so I think that would be a, a great concert. I'd like to, or I, I would have loved to seen him with Thelonious Monk, um, you know, playing at the Five Spot in New York. I'd like to go back and see Count Basie in Kansas City, like Count Basie's band playing in Kansas City. I'd, I would love to see Charlie Parker at the height of his, at the height of his powers. Um, that would have been amazing. Um I'd like to see Pearl Jam like in the 90s. I would have mm. I would have liked to have seen them there. Um I I would say Buddy Guy. I would love to go see Buddy Guy. Um I just think he's an amazing guitarist and I love, you know, I love good blues and I think he'd be fantastic. I'd love to see um the the the, the trio that the, the, it's Albert Collins, Robert Cray. And I'm Mm. trying to remember the third guy that, Mm -hmm. that, um, is it part of that, that they did it? They did a triple threat Grammy album. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, that I'd like to see. Um, I've been fortunate. I've seen some good people. Like I've seen miles later in his career, um, that oh, was fantastic. I, I'd i love to see, but you know, to see him with Tony Williams and, and Herbie Hancock and Ron Carter, and that would be, and Wayne Shorter would be amazing. That would have been great. I've seen Sarah Vaughn, which was absolutely <laughs> like, she was tremendous even, you know, in her later years. And she was, she, her, her nickname was Sailor because she used to travel with the guys in the band and play cards mm-hmm. and cut up and, talk like a sailor and um and what a beautiful woman she you know you know beautiful 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 woman but on top of it was funny is that she you could tell she owned her stuff because I, I was at a festival in the park in atlanta when she when she performed as a part of and as one of the the, the people on stage and she got up there and started to sing and the second song she stopped like 10 seconds in the second song and pointed at a dude who was record trying to record her and and literally was like, listen, you need everyone in this park. You need to tell this guy to put that camera away and turn it off, (laughs) turn it off and put it away. Or I'm staying standing here and I'm not singing another note for the next hour that I'm scheduled to be on stage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I've lost too much and you know, she, she used different worded verbs than I'm, yeah. words I'm using, but I've lost too much money to people for this kind of thing right here for oh, for, right. you know, so if you want to have a, I'll put on a hell of a show for you, but first you got to get this guy to turn this stuff off. And it took all of about 45 seconds and it was she got back on, you know, (laughs) but but you had to love her for that. You know, nowadays it's like, I don't know what she, she probably, it's good that her time was before camera phones. That's all I got to say. Right. 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 Yeah. (laughs) She would have been the one that invent the bags with the lock string, you know, know, (laughs) that you see, (laughs) like I went to see Chris Rock a number of years ago and, and, uh, And he had like the the bag with the with the lock for the phones that you go when you go to to the concert. We went to the Fox Theater in Atlanta and saw it. And I was like, "That's a good idea. That's cool." Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was. uh, Yeah, you know, uh, as you were naming people off, it reminded me of I actually had my buddy and I had tickets for Stevie Ray Vaughan's last show. It was in Wisconsin and we decided that we would rather because that was the that was the weekend that we could move into the dorms as freshmen in college and we decided we're going to go and have fun you know and and get all settled in and all that so we didn't go to the show um (sighs) Man. So in hindsight, probably not the right call,
0: but well, I've got a story like that, that you're going to, you're going to laugh about. And I'll tell you who this is afterwards, cause I'm not going to mention it here, but the person, but so just before about two to three years before I went full time and I was still kind of balancing everything. We had just moved from Athens to where I live now. And so financially things were still like going in a good direction, but still kind of in a spot where we were, you know, we, we had a home that we rented out, but we had bought a new home and I'm traveling back and forth from Athens to Atlanta, to, to commute, to work and balance, all this stuff. So financially we're an okay, but like any little thing could really set us off course. So around Christmas, we had rented out this, we had rented out our house to some students And in Athens, there was, they got 18 inches of rain over a 24 hour period and it flooded the back of our house, like the bedroom and like the hallway. And now my wife, as most of you know, on the show is really very handy. And that's, that's a, that's like a small, that's a, you know, I'm minimizing that to a degree. So this is during like the height of like film watching season and getting things done for me she goes down there you know gets literally like strips the wood off the floor strips the drywall out runs these fans rents a hotel for like a weekend and literally is down there just working her tail off dr- making sure we don't get mold and getting everything remediated and then and trying to make sure that the the kids didn't lose much and all of that so that's all going on and we're at a point where it's like we could use some funds and I don't have enough coming in and there's not enough. She doesn't have enough coming in with her job. So I have a friend, a, a great friend who I would like, I said, I'm going to ask him and I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to ask. And I asked him if I could borrow some money for a month. Cause I knew in the next month I would have the rest of it. I knew it was going to come, but I was like, and I hated doing that. And, and I've never like borrowed money from anybody. And I was just like, so this friend of mine, he was like he was like, "No, absolutely." He was like and and gave me the money and we got everything taken care of. Everything was cool. And then Prince has a conf- concert at the Fox <laughs> Theater and it's like is he's playing a solo piano concert at the Fox and the oh, tickets God. are like 700 bucks a piece. Oh, geez. okay and my wife who is like usually the fi- she's the financial person in the family like we both have handled them and we both work together but she's usually the the one who manages that and she does it extremely well but she's she's one of those people who if you hit the right area she's going to go screw it you only live once you know yeah, so yeah. and we all have that but for her this was one of those things like so prince it you know neither she had Neither of us, she had seen Prince once. I had never seen Prince and I love Prince as well. So she's like, we got to go. And I'm like, we don't have the money. She goes, yeah, we do. We just did this and we borrowed this." And I'm like you mean you want me to buy the tickets with the borrowed money? When we had a disaster with this going on, she goes, it's Prince. He would understand. (laughs) Like he would totally understand. He would go. I'm like, I am not even, I'm not even entertaining this. I am not entertaining this at all. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, we got an art, like, it wasn't like a, a real mean argument or anything, but like we literally had an argument about this and like, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, there's no way. I'm not borrowing somebody's money <laughs> to get this all taken care of. We're like this, in this precarious of a situation. And just because we have some extra left over that we could actually do this. We just pay him back early. I mean, like, no, I'm not, right, you know. It's right. like, it's only like in two to three weeks, it'll be fine. Well, what if it doesn't come in two to three weeks the way it's supposed to? Right. I'm not going to, I can't come to him and say, we can't pay you back because we went to go see Prince. You know? Right. And so <laughs> that was his last concert. That was his last concert oh. was in Atlanta. That's when he got sick and died after that. So my wife never lets me hear the end of it. So then my friend comes down to visit and, um, he comes down to visit and before, and then we're going to take a trip after that. And he comes down there and my wife, just like, you know, being who she is, which is just wonderful, but it makes me laugh my ass off. She's like, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him what he would have done. She goes, so, and so she tells the whole story and she goes, would you have, and he looked at, he looked at her and she says, yeah, I would have gone. And she just looks at me, she's like, you know, see? She's like, You cost us a chance to see Prince, you know. <laughs> and, and I looked at him and I was like, the the first words out of my mouth were not nice. I'll just put it that way. I was like, You gotta yeah. be freaking kidding me. You know, so yeah, that's my print that that's my, you know, wish we saw, you know, but I still don't regret the decision.
1: But you no, I, I, I was gonna say I think that's the right call. Yeah. I really do. because especially Especially because um, you don't even know if just asking the question is going to piss off your friend. So, right. like, you know, not worth
0: it. Not exactly. Not it. Now she not she's got it. a good vibe for people, so she knew, and I'm I trust her on that. Well, end. right, and we I, know the guy, but I I'm with you. Like to me, it was like no way I'm not I'm not doing that that just didn't make no sense to me but it was so funny because she was like anybody else I'm with you but this is you know and I'm just like no and so then when that happened she just every time whenever she sees Prince she just looks at me she just gives me the gives me the side eye, like you know and I'm like I don't care and I just look at her back and I'm like I don't care but that's our that's our little like you know sad joke about all that We,
1: you know what, I we need to go to mobile next year. Yeah, this is this is too fun. It just this is a process, not having a combine, I wasn't able to go to mobile. Um, you know, you you miss this stuff, yeah. and uh, I, I hope everything is in a place where we can do it all again next year, and, and I, I think it will be. Um, but I, you know. I'm, this is too good. Yeah, this is I'm, too good. I'm with
0: you. I feel the same way. It makes me laugh because I went the other day. Um, we, my wife and I, are both trying to lose a little bit of weight. Like we've got this like weight loss goal of what we're trying to do, and so we've been working at. We do. We both been doing pretty well. Um, I'm from, I'm down from Lendale White to about Nick Chubb right now. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like heading there, but my goal is to be about Julian Edelman size because that's where I should be. So, um, (laughs) but, but, you know, or at least Justin Jefferson, I guess maybe, but you know, the, the, the thing is, is like, we're laughing. So like, you know, one we hold out and I was like, I was craving though, something that I hadn't had in a while. So like, I want, there's this pizza in Atlanta called Antico and they're like, they import everything from Italy. They've got the, Mm. the, the ovens where they like the, the pizza's in there for no more than like two minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like the best thing you can get in Atlanta probably from a pizza standpoint. So I, I don't usually crave pizza, but I had one before we got started and it was so good that like after about a month I was like, I can't stand it anymore, and I had taken Uber off my app because like Uber eats <laughs> off my app, um, yeah. off my phone, and and my wife, I was like, I'm I want some pizza, and she's like, no, and I'm like, I, nah, I'm, I want to get some pizza, and she's like, and she's like, playfully saying, I was like, let's let's do that, and she's like, no, she's like, you know, come on, we're we're trying to be good, and I'm like, okay, so then like I finally like I had enough, and I'm like, I'm going to the mailbox, and then I'm going to go get some pizza. And like, and so like, this is, I have not been out like other than to the grocery store for like more than a year. And I had already gotten yeah. the second vaccine and I'm still masking up and everything, but I go down to this mall area and, and, you know, that's kind of, um, near me in, in an area called Alpharetta. And I go down there where this plate, they have a, uh, a branch of this place. They have only two locations. So they'll go to this location and it's packed and part of me i don't i'm not one for panic attacks but i i was really like on edge standing there in a crowd of people and was like yeah i'm not i, I like called ahead and waited and then they're like it's gonna be two minutes and i was only waiting two minutes in the store and it was like so crowded i'm like looking around i'm going i'm literally freaking out in here like i'm like standing in the back let me stand face the refrigerator i don't know like where am i you know just squirming yeah. you know being in there and i'm I'm, and i came back with a pizza and after my wife laughed at me you know and she's like you know we were like <laughs> she, she's like how oh, was it
1: yeah it's gonna take getting used to you know yeah. it does you gotta have to readjust my mother did the same thing she went to super walmart last weekend for the first time a year and and she said you know it was so weird there was other people and and um yeah, but I've been going, I've been going out. I have to, I I, I have to, uh, for my own sanity. messed um, up, picking up takeout orders, uh, stuff like that. I just, I, just, I, I that... need to get out of the place. So, but real travel is going to be a treat. Um, yes. And I know a lot of people have been doing it all the way through. Um, and, you know, if, that's that's great. I'm glad most people that I work with, with NFL Network have, had to travel a lot and haven't had any major issues and that's been fantastic. And so I'm so happy for that. I also know people that um, my real good friend pulled his mother out of a assisted living facility a couple of days before they lost like seven people. Oh,
0: good. Um, for so, I mean,
1: yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's been kind of all over the place, but, but I'm so looking forward to hanging out. With you guys in Mobile again, yeah, and going to the combine and, and all that stuff, it's going to be uh, a real pleasure next year. It's it, it we'll appreciate it even more than I already did. I um, and you know, you know, and even just on the po- football side, I, you know, kind of getting back to that, I really miss being able to see the prospects next to each other. Yes, they're not in pads and blah 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 in shorts, underwear, Olympics, blah blah blah. But talking with them, um, seeing them um, work athletically next to each other to, to to gauge things is is really a valuable experience. Um, as is networking and everything else that goes on at the combine. So um, I miss that a lot, and you know, I'm hopefully, we'll be in a better place, and we'll we'll get back there next year.
0: Absolutely. I'm with you. And I, I do miss the networking part for sure with all this and hanging out with you and, and everybody else and, and doing this. And I hope that you guys enjoyed us getting a chance to hang out and chop it up and just kind of see us kind of in the middle of things. And, you know, it's always an honor to get a chance to like talk with Chad about the game. And it's just fun to have his friendship and, and, you know, to be able to call him a friend. He's a great guy. He's one of the great guys in this industry. Um you know, and and you can ask pretty much anybody that who has a brain. So, um, you know, on behalf of Chad Ryder and myself, we appreciate thanks, you guys. Buddy. Thank you. And you guys have a good week and hope that you get all the players you wanted on your team or the players you needed better off. That might be the better <laughs> thing. So thanks, guys.